So we live four miles from the epicenter of the 89 earthquake. So everybody calls it the San Francisco earthquake, it but it's not. the Lumber Prieta yeah. earthquake. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I was at work at the time, and it was about five, a little bit after five, and it literally felt like a giant was outside the building, shaking the building as hard as he could. And we got earthquakes in California all the time. But all the time. When they happened, ones. you were like, oh, it's oh, an it's earthquake, yeah. and it wasn't a big deal, and things deal. would like yeah. shake, yeah. and that was it. This was like a major jolt from that earthquake. Yeah. Um, again, it was about a week of no power. It was more longer. devastating than the flood because it affected so many more people. And, and you felt you, it at nighttime when the sun went down. Oh, yeah. Suddenly there were we you know, no streetlights, no lights in the building. No. It was like dark. If you're someone who refuses to go along to get along, if you question whether the status quo is good enough for you and your family, you want to leave this world better off than you found it, and you consider independence a sacred thing, you may be a prepper, a gardener, a homesteader, a survivalist, a farmer, a rancher, an environmentalist, or a rugged outdoorsman. This show is for those who choose the road less traveled, the road to self-reliance, for those living a daring adventure, life off the grid. David and Beth Pruitt, welcome to the Off the Grid Biz Podcast. We are so excited to be here. Thank you, Brian, for coming out to our ranch. We're excited to share our life story with you. Yeah, no, I can't wait to hear it. We're sitting out here on the deck of their uh, Mountain View Ranch, right? Yeah. It's just a gorgeous day. Right now there's a fire going on up north, so you can see smoke off to the uh, south right there. South there, uh, past uh, Table Rocks uh, here over in Sam's Valley. We're just going to jump right into it. What is it that you do? Well, we do a lot of things. Um, we have a company called AMP3, so it's amp-3.net, and we have um, preparedness and first aid. David is an emergency room physician uh, practicing in the Pacific Northwest, and we have had our business since 2011, 2011. Hard to think of that at yeah, this point. Yeah, I believe that was gone by that fast. And it started kind of from a first aid kit, but we also do preparedness. We have our ranch, which we're staying here for two and a half weeks, totally off grid. Completely so, off grid. Completely off grid. We have a little generator, and that's about it uh, for right now. But um, we do a lot of stuff. We travel, we have an off grid trailer, we do a lot of stuff. Mm hmm. And our company, AMP3, started from a, a YouTube video. So I made a video on how to build a first aid kit of what I thought was a good first aid kit that I had used for a long time. And I even published a little PDF on how to assemble it yourself with the video and the PDF. You should be able to make this. Even said where to go get the different items, at least for our local area. And um, I was flooded with, at that time, I know YouTube has changed a lot over the years, but there was a messaging system and I was flooded with requests of like, how do I buy that kit? Mm. And it, it astounded me. I thought, oh, you're just gonna go make this and this should be sufficient and I'll move on to some other video. Beth kind of got word of that and we talked about it and she said, you should make some kits and try and sell them on that YouTube thing, whatever that is. And uh, so David made, t we made 10 kits. Which took? <clears throat> which took two weeks 
to make 10 kits, which was ridiculous. I thought, okay, that's done for a year, right? <laughs> Much like a podcast, We're you good. open the door and step in, who's going to listen to me? And so we made 10, and I thought that was two weeks of worth of work. It'll take at least a year to sell those 10 kits, and we made a little website. No, you did a video. We made a, we made a video and made a website. And they sold in an hour. Yeah. And so David's like, yeah, those are just my YouTube buddies. No big deal. I said, okay, why don't you build 25? See what happens with that. And it took us another like three weeks to build 25 kits. Yeah, got a little more efficient. <laughs> Remember vacuum packing? Va yeah. <laughs> at, at that time, I was vacuum packing each individual component. We no longer do that. Um, and we now we can build, you know, quite a few in a shorter period of time. But um, slowly that built. And then we realized, oh, we might have the basis for... A company, not that we're any great big company at all, but um, I don't even know how many kits we've made. Thousands. And Thousands. we've gone from that one kit in IFAC. Yeah. The 25 kits sold in an hour and a half, and David's like, yeah, I think you might have something here. I said, I think you should start a company. And originally he started it with another uh, friend of his, and it didn't work out. So then I kind of stepped in, and now we do it together. And we were traveling a lot all over the country and doing uh, preparedness shows. We've done the Mother Earth News show. Um, we've done other trade shows. A whole bunch. A whole and bunch. Like we were talking before we started, um, we've noticed, and so we've been doing this seven, eight, year, eight, eight years. years. Yeah. There is An definitely a flow. waxing and waning ebb and flow to people's interest in preparedness, mm -hmm. which is interesting to us because we just think you should be prepared and self-reliant all the time mm -hmm. and not depending upon what your particular view on the world is. You know, like right now there's a fire. Depending upon where you're at, this could be something that you're watching or something that you're involved in. And now I've got to evacuate my family mm -hmm. from our property because there's, you know, uh, mandatory evacuation because of fire danger or earthquake, um, snow, ice event flooding depending upon your local area so I we, we just think you should be prepared all the time all the time all the time and so uh, with amp3 it's it's allowed us to travel the country which is we have an amazing country uh, the USA if you haven't done it do it travel and enjoy um, all the little towns and you know we like antique stores so yeah, there's a reason to do stores. that. But we've, so we've done a lot of teaching and classes. Yep. And David's taught a suture class at a lot of the uh, preparedness shows that we've done, too. David's taught a lot of suture classes. He also teaches an um, introduction to ham radio class. Which, or preparedness communications, yep. but ham radio yep. is a big component yep. of that. Yeah, preparedness communications. <laughs> and, you know, that's kind of probably the least prepared portion of anyone's preparedness is really communications and what to do in case of uh, an emergency. Um, and so I'm going to give you a little bit of background on what kind of got us started into preparedness because these two major events really affected us um, early on in our marriage. We Le were truly life-changing events. Life-changing yeah. events. So um, we lived in Santa Cruz, California, and in 1982, we had been married how long? two years mm -hmm. and um, we had a 100 year flood so we had 24 inches of rain in 24 hours and it was a lot of rain in the Santa Cruz mountains which is where we live 
on 10 acres off grid. We didn't even know what off grid was. Yeah, we were. We were homesteading before it was cool, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Right. We had rented this little cabin. We paid $200 a month rent on 10 acres of property. Um, there little wood stove. Little, we had a wood-burning stove. Outdoor shower. Outdoor shower. Outdoor toilet. Composting toilet on the front porch. And we also had a hand pump for water. You know the one that you mm-hmm. pour the, you have to pour the water <laughs> in yeah. to prime it. And prime then you it, pump, yeah. pump, pump, pump. And then slowly a little stream of water comes out. So underneath the cabin was a spring fed uh well spring fed big concrete cistern and oh, so we'd okay. have to pump that up wow. from down there yeah. that's um, so where we got our it was water wow. totally off-grid before we we didn't even know off-grid was what cool. that meant it just was how we were living <laughs> yeah <laughs> we didn't have a lot of money back then and so and it was a beautiful piece of property in the santa cruz mountains lots of redwoods and Garden and then and we had this guy who lived next door to us ted we called him mountain man ted uh, Mountain Man Ted never wore shoes. He had long hair. He was probably about, I don't know, maybe five years younger than we were yeah, at the time. One of those jack of all trades sort of people. Oh, yeah. Ted could fix anything, do anything. And he walked everywhere. He had a car, but he hardly ever drove. We lived five miles out of the nearest town. And Ted would walk to town like almost every day. Yeah. It was crazy. But the bottom line of the story is we were living way up there way when up that in the storm mountains. happened. Um, the storm happened and Ted and David and I decided to get in our Land Cruiser. David had a 1972 Toyota Land Cruiser that we wish we still had. I do wish I still had that. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> it would be awesome to have that. Um, now this was totally stupid, so we had no clue about preparedness or self-reliance. So what did we do? We drove into Aptos to watch the ocean, right? So we wanted to watch, we wanted to see the ocean because it was- We wanted to see the storm. We wanted to see the storm. So we're driving down uh, Trout Gulch, Rodeo Gulch, Trout Gulch, one of them. Anyway, and we're driving down the road and there's a river directly next door to the road that we're driving on. Where there normally is not a river. There's no stream. (laughs) There's not even a stream there. There is a gushing, raging river. And we're like, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, we're driving into Aptos. We drive into Aptos and we kind of get near the bridge and the river is just raging. And the mountain is starting to like crumble away from these houses. And we saw a house fall into the river. And then we drove down by the ocean and Luckily, we had the Land Cruiser because the water was all the way past the wheel wells yeah. of the Land Cruiser. We were totally oblivious to the fact that... <laughs> we were young and stupid. Young and stupid. <laughs> and we were, we were witnessing this storm. Yeah. So we thought we should probably get home because we were now getting a little nervous. So we got home and we probably had been in our house with Ted probably about 15, 20 minutes. And we started to hear a rumble and a roar that, I mean, I can still hear it today. And we looked out the front window of the cabin, and the whole mountainside was coming down towards us. Oh, my God. So if our cabin was here, the access road that comes into where our cabin was in the main property went right in front of our cabin. And then there was a a little bit of a gully, and then the mountain went straight up, and it was just beautiful redwoods. Well, that, all of that slid at one time. All the redwoods, and they just slid. (laughs) The redwoods kind of laid down against the mountain yeah. and the whole thing just slid and we were standing there watching it we again got, being stupid we should have like we did left. we got out of the but house we stood there and watched it and then it all just <laughs> stopped right in the gulch and just but we got boom. out and we remember we ran down towards um past ted's house because yeah. we weren't sure exactly we thought it was going to actually take out our house mm-hmm. 
so that was a huge eye-opening experience. But all it did was very effectively roadblock our only access out. out. Oh, wow. So this is how stupid we were. We actually drove downtown, <laughs> and that was the last time we saw civilization for about a week and a half. We drove downtown. Didn't didn't go to the grocery store. We didn't go to the grocery store to pick up. Should have picked up food, food if we were going to be and stupid. Water. Didn't pick up food. Did not pick up water. We drove all the way back. Witnessed the mountain slide roadblock us, and then so we were trapped, literally trapped there so we had for no a week power. and a half. Wow. It took out our power. It took out our water supply. So we had nothing. And back then, you didn't have a cell phone, right? You had just a landline. And so we were pretty stuck. Yeah, we had one little wire 60 amp service to the cabin. <laughs> that was it. That was gone. That was gone. Everything was pretty much gone, except the houses were still there. So now you might ask us, how much food and water did we have in our pantry? And how many, Very how many months were we prepared for? We weren't prepared for an hour, right? I mean, we had we had to combine our food with Ted, right? We I mean, to... we yeah. I mean, we literally had no thought had, of if you were no. to say, "Oh, you need to have water for three days," that would have like been three we, days more than the we had. The one thing you know? we did have still was water because we still had the pump and the water. Yeah, we had water. We had water. Yeah. We had that water. We had no shower. We water. had water and plenty of firewood and plenty of firewood, but we had no um, no other water. Uh, so we did pool our resources with Mountain Man Ted and. We made it through. And so about a week and a half later, my brother Steve comes walking down the road saying, your mother's kind of worried. So he hiked in. He hiked in. Your mom's worried. <laughs> yeah, he hiked in about six miles. No, not yeah. that far, probably three miles. Yeah. So anyway, he knew a way to get out. So we hiked out and we went into town and that was fine. So that was our first major kind of disaster that we were not prepared for. The second one... We were more prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> the second one, David was a fireman for Santa Cruz County Fire Department, and we lived four miles from the epicenter of the 89 earthquake. So it became a fireman because of the 100-year wow. rainstorm. Yeah. And Beth's mom, and I love her to death, she called us and she said, SoCal Fire Department is looking for volunteers. You should go do that. And I thought, oh, I should do that. I had no idea why. <laughs> so I went down there and I filled out an application. And they hired you right away. And I got hired and went through training. And so by the time our next little major event, um, I had been on the fire, fire department for a while. For a while, yeah, few years. Few years. So we lived four miles from the epicenter of the 89 earthquake. So everybody calls it the San Francisco earthquake, but it it's not. the Loma Prieta yeah. earthquake. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. I was at work at the time. And it was about five, a little bit after five. And it literally felt like a giant was outside the building, shaking the building as hard as he could. And we got earthquakes in California all the time. But all the time. When they little happened, ones. you were like, oh, it's oh, an it's earthquake. Earth yeah. And it wasn't a big deal. Not and things deal. would like yeah. shake. Yeah. And that was it. This was like. A major jolt. And so I was at the office, had the earthquake. Everything literally came off all of the walls. And I worked for a dentist at the time. So we had charts, you know, charts on the walls. We had pictures. We had a x-ray fixer and developer. Everything came off the walls, was all on the floor. The sprinkler heads in the ceiling popped down. So it was a directional earthquake. And it was interesting to look at the ceiling. And you know how the sprinklers popped down? The way the building shook, it actually made a, a, a long cut from mm. the sprinklers moving wow. in there so it was like a slot cut in the drywall huh. because of that wow yeah it was pretty 
impressive. Pretty impressive. One of our patients, Martha, I won't say her last name because she'd be really embarrassed, but she was in the restroom, which is right, you know, right in the office. So she's sitting on the toilet. So she's sitting on the toilet and she walks out and she is white as a ghost. I mean, she literally was shaking. So literally when it happened, she had just flushed. She, and she said, all I did was flush. <laughs> And she thought she had So her gone. perception was, can you imagine that? You get up, push the lever to flush, and then a 7.1 7 earthquake. earthquake gets unleashed because you, because you pushed the lever. That was hilarious. Yeah, Martha, oh boy, her, the look on her face. Bottom line is, from that, from that earthquake, yeah. um, again, it was about a week of no power... It was even more, it was more Longer. devastating than the flood because it affected so many more people. And, and you e felt it at nighttime when the sun went down. Oh, yeah. Suddenly there were, we you had know, 2700 no aftershocks. No lights in the buildings None. or how, it was like dark. Everywhere. Except for no, flashlights and no and power. Stuff. And a lot of the, you know, how you have those overpasses on the freeway, those had all collapsed. You yeah. know, they collapsed. There was so much more to that than the flood. The flood was bad. So the little worse. local grocery store for our community. The shopping bag. Stripped of everything, mm. you know, within the first few hours. Yep. Um, However, because David had to go down to the fire department, so he can tell you about his stories down there. But I went to the grocery store, and Henry and Ethel owned the store. And Henry was actually my school bus driver when I was growing up because I grew up in SoCal, they were giving food away to people. Like, what do you need? Um, it was like, not like, how much money, you know, how are you going to pay? There was no ATM. So if you mm -hmm. didn't have cash, nothing worked. There's, so that's another area of self-reliance and preparedness, you right? You have is, to have cash. If something happens, what do you, do you have? Do you have small bills? Small bills and yeah. things set aside yeah. so you can negotiate purchases right. and great yeah. point so the, so henry i mean you know there were kids there so he was giving them ice cream you know so henry and ethel were literally stripping their store and giving whatever the community needed um the church was right across the street from the shopping bag they were open um, but that store was empty in oh a few hours yeah mm. no an hour it was it was yeah. totally stripped so from those two major events we became a lot wiser and and a lot more a, a lot better prepared for right. sure to not have food to not have water so now we always have, have food gas. we always have water we always have gas cash cash for emergency cash, cash. Um, communications communications is important so i have if, never been without a four-wheel drive since mm, those no events. no 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 right and so if you go to our website at www.amp-3.net and go to our resource page, you can download my list of 100 essentials. And literally, I put that together from kind of thinking about things that you need to have on hand in the event of an emergency. We have people come up to us during trade shows or when she's talking on the phone, and for some reason the switch got turned on and they say, I need to get prepared. And they so she would have these like long conversations yeah. Um, and people want to know, like, where do I start? And you probably have experienced this, but when someone makes that decision, I need to get prepared, I need to start thinking about this, it's like looking behind the curtain and realizing there's this vast space that now you have to step into, and where do I start? And you get, people get anxious and panicky with it. And like, where do I start? 
And so this list was started so that you could start and just, we always tell people do something once a week or do something once a month, Cross depending upon you your already have. resources. And then in a year, right. you'll be able to look back and say, look what I've, I've look done. What I've so done. it's the little steps, but doing it every month consistently over time yeah. then you build preparedness yeah every paycheck you always have even if it's five dollars of discretionary money think about putting preparedness in your budget yeah and when you're shopping instead of buying one can of food buy two if that's all you can do is i'm going to double the the cans for that shopping trip and then start putting those away start putting those away there's so many things to think about with preparedness whether it's batteries and flashlights and you know you want to have lanterns um, you want to have lamp oil I mean the list is pretty vast but if you do it every month or every week or you know whenever you get paid a little bit at a time it makes you know, a difference it makes a huge difference and David and I are very well prepared do we have everything no i don't think you ever will and you exactly. and that's part of that right is to realize yeah i'm just going to keep working at this but i'm never it's not like um, it's like golf right i'm not a golfer but <laughs> you'll golf your entire life and never you'll still be perfecting that you skill. haven't gotten that hole in one no i've not even gotten on a <laughs> golf course but um and then from communication so when when um during that earthquake i i'm I knew that, you know, I, I, I didn't wait for a page to go out. I knew that something bad had happened, and I went immediately down to the fire department. First thing we do is get all of our rigs out of the, um, out of the building so that they're safe and can be used to respond to emergency. And um, I remember standing out on the apron. We'd gotten trucks out, and I was standing out on the apron, and this lady, I still remember this, Lady came driving up really quick in a little Subaru. Her husband was laying in the back, clutching his chest. He was kind of pale and sweaty. She just like drove right to the fire department. Now that I'm a doctor, I look back on that and I say to myself, that guy probably was having a heart attack. Mm. Um, and I always wonder like what happened to him. So we tried to get on the air to call you know, naively call an ambulance. Well, you couldn't get on the air to save your soul because there was so much radio traffic. Mm -hmm. And then we made a decision, the only thing to do for him. And so we were in our little community, it had kind of a little dip in where our fire department was in the lower part, but up on the hill is the um, hospital. So we loaded that guy up and put him on a backboard on the hose bed of the fire truck. Mm -hmm. So outside on the hose bed, wow. sweating, holding his chest. And we drove him to the, to the hospital and unloaded him. And then we were just like doing calls and, and responding to fires. And I always wonder what happened to that guy. But wow. now I'm this far down the road and have different training and different eyes. I bet my life that he had a heart attack mm. or that he was suffering from a heart attack. Going through the 89 earthquake, there's... And, and you know, they had this this large earthquake in Southern California recently, and I kind of thought, I wonder how many orders or phone calls we're gonna get. And I was really surprised that we had very few, which means either people aren't concerned about it, or they're already prepared. Or I think also, I think, and we were talking about this earlier, but I think people's sort of angst or drive to be prepared or to be doing something 
waxes and wanes with life events. Sure. Um, and then I think also there's a little, and not to be political, but there's a political sort of magnetism, if you will. And depending upon how you look at things and what's going on politically, you feel more of a sense of, okay, something I need to be prepared because of, whatever. you know, potential social unrest or whatever might happen from mm -hmm. your political view. And then as those things change, you get more comfortable and you kind of sit back a little bit um, and, and don't worry about it. I just think no matter where you are on that ebb and flow, that when it's ebbing, that's just a little grace period. And you should not let down your just continual, you know, preparedness, even if it's practicing an evacuation plan. Like we talk about this all the time. We live in Portland, Bridge City. A lot of people live on one side of the river and work on the other side, or they live on one side and their kids go to school mm. on the other side. And if we have an earthquake, you're not gonna be able to cross the river. Mm. Right. Even if the bridges aren't damaged, they'll be closed until city engineers say, this is a safe structure, we can now allow traffic on it, or they may actually be physically damaged. So w we always ask people, and when we do shows in the Portland area, what is your, you know, what's your communication plan? What's your safety plan for your family? And you can tell when you ask someone, you know, like, where do you work? And where do your kids go to school? And you say, oh, so you're on two different sides of the river. And if we have an earthquake this afternoon, how are you going to get in touch with your kids? Do your kids know what to do if they're on the other side of the river? Mom and dad are on this side. How are they going to get in touch with you? What's the plan to get reunited? And you can see the light go on. <laughs> it's like, I've never thought I've about, thought that, about before. that. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation. You know, when people ask me what I do, I tell them I'm a business growth strategist. And they say, well, what the heck is that? It's all about standing out against your competition, standing out within your industry, standing out in front of your most ideal clients so that there is no competition. There is no comparison. There's nobody else out there that can do what you do in the way that you do it, whether that be products, services, or otherwise. One of the toughest places to stand out is when you're discussing the concept of competition. So whether your customers see it as competition or whether it's only you that sees it as competition, if there is competition out there, it's going to be standing in your way. And there's no competitive force out there that I see as common, as ubiquitous as Amazon.com. Amazon.com has become the devil to most e-commerce based businesses for sure. And it's certainly putting the squeeze on offline businesses also. So that's why I set out to write the book, Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business, How to Stand Out in Your Industry and Make All Competition Completely Irrelevant. Now, whether Amazon.com is your competition or not, or whether you're teamed up directly with Amazon.com, this book will help you to look past anyone as your competition. Nine Ways to Amazon Proof Your Business. Now, this book is not out as of this recording, but if you want to find out when it's available and how you can get your very own free copy, I want you to go to brianjpombo.com slash Amazon book. 
If you leave me your information, I will let you know as soon as that's available. And not only that, but anything else that we end up offering having to do with this book. For example, how you can get a hard copy of this book. How you can get the audio version of this book. How you can take part in workshops related with the concepts within this book. That's nine ways to Amazon-proof your business. Go to brianjpombo.com slash Amazon book. And now, back to the conversation. Well, I remember driving home from the hospital one night um, during, uh, you know, we get like horrible, I shouldn't say horrible for the Northwest horrible, but we get snowstorms and then ice events. Yeah. And I remember, I'm in big red, snow tires on. Um, I'm totally prepared. I've got snow boots in the truck, you know, and I'm making my way back home. It's dark. And all these people had pulled into um, one of the grocery store parking lots. And there was a lady, I still remember her, because the street light was lit up and she's getting out of her little BMW. And it's snowing. She's got on this gorgeous little black business dress outfit and high heels. And she's, I could tell she was gonna like- Walk home. Walk home. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm gonna bet you don't have in your car uh, a pair of shoes with um, with tracks on them so that I can walk on the ice. I yeah. mean, sometimes you can't even walk on the flat ground no. without slipping and right. falling. That's why you need tracks. And this is on, you know, the Portland Hills. It's all it's, mm -hmm. it's And I just thought all these people in this parking lot have no, you no. know, they're so they went to work right. and then the snow event happened and then they got off work. And, and it's now not suddenly like they you can't get home. It's not like they didn't know the snow event was going to happen. It's all over the news. Right. It's going to snow. We may have four to six inches of snow. Right. Be prepared. Nope. 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 So one interesting thing after the 89 earthquake, and this is, uh, this is really interesting. So the doctor that I worked for, again, I worked at a dentist office in SoCal. The doctor I worked for lived out in Watsonville, and it's usually about a 20, 25-minute drive. Well... Because where we live in the Santa Cruz mountain area, there's a lot of redwood trees. It took him three days to walk home. Three wow. days. And one of the one of the bridges that he had to navigate across, not a very high bridge, you know, kind of a little gully, and just the road continued on and just a supporting bridge. Um, because of the shake, all the pilings for the bridge perforated through the road deck and the road deck sat down in the gully. Hmm. I mean, he made it across, but he had to kind of navigate his way around, down mm -hmm. and over and up. But I mean- But he had actually had to park. Yeah, he actually you had can't to drive it. Because you can't drive, there were certain areas he couldn't drive. And then to get home to a house that is totally destroyed by the earthquake. Totally destroyed. It shifted totally off of the foundation. So. You know, those kind of things you got to think about. Is your house ready for an earthquake? Are you ready for an earthquake? Are your pets ready? Don't forget about your pets. And we talk about earthquake here, but I mean, we're right. We're living on the rim of fire. Right, yeah. this, but also the Cascadia The major fault. event for us will be an earthquake. It I will think. be an earthquake, yep. Um, yeah, I mean, we live in Oregon and we live kind of at the end of the Cascadia Fault. And they say when that ruptures, it could be a 10 point plus earthquake. That's massive. Having been through a 7.1. That's massive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's also gonna be really a devastating earthquake for, that's why we have our ranch. 
And it's one of those things, if, if they happen more often, people would be used to it and they'd be And prepped, they actually happen they... more often than, than you know. So, I mean, you know, there's some apps that you can um, get and if you're interested in following those yeah. things, but there's... Well, the little ones happen all the time, they but the happen... last big one before 89 was like 80 years before that, right? right. But, but also... there's been a 7.1 off the coast, coast of yeah. Gore Beach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right at the Cascadia Fault. Yeah. There have been cluster earthquakes down there mm -hmm. where they've had, you know, five or six in a day that are, right. you know, 5.6, 5.7, 6.1. What, what and is we're that? not speaking doom about no. earthquakes, but, but I mean, it, it, you just never know. Something's That's happening. Right. Yeah. You know, you just don't ever know what's going what's gonna to come your way. It could be loss of a job. How are you going to be prepared if you lose your job for, you know, six months or whatever? How are you going to take care of your family? If you have food, you can really, that's going to really help you. And if you have like freeze dried food, we love Honeyville. Honeyville's a great company. They have a 25 year life. Uh, we have no connection with Honeyville. Yeah. We have no <laughs> connection with Honeyville, but it's my favorite, <laughs> favorite freeze dried food. So the interesting thing is, you know, pick your poison, but this is another benefit of, of our little company and traveling around and going to a lot of trade shows. Um, a lot of people will buy, and I'm not speaking bad about any company, but will buy like one of those buckets of freeze-dried food. food with mm -hmm. all the meals, you know, and it's a great idea in concept. And that's like one person's meal for three days or yeah. whatever. And <laughs> so if you got four family members, you get four, that's uh, three meals for four people. And then you can build on that and they stack and everything. But have you tasted it? So you have So have you tasted it? So there was one event that we went to that I thought was really cool, and they had all the uh, vendors that had uh, freeze-dried food. food or food products set up like a banquet. Oh um, wow! And did a so dinner the vendors went to a dinner. Yeah. Um, was it the first night before the show or the was, night in between or whatever? I think it was the first, it was the night in night the night before the show. But we went in and you get a plate and then um, you go down the the line and our and your dinner is basically all these freeze dried food products. So mm -hmm. it's interesting to sample from the different companies and you know they're all palatable and they're all going to provide you know, the nutrition that they advertise and everything. Some of them are really salty, They're, though. Th like, not some of them. The vast majority of them yeah, are like salty. Over, yeah, like over salty, and they were not palatable. Mm -hmm. Not, not, they weren't yeah. good. <laughs> they so weren't that's, good. that's why she mentioned Honeyville. And there was is, one is, that was actually tasted like dog food. Remember that one? Oh, that was the stroganoff. Yeah. I don't think stroganoff is ever really super good. <laughs> no, no, no. Remember that the little cans? They look like, it almost looked like little tuna cans. Oh. That was billed was. as a protein, carbohydrate sort of package, and you could just pop the top and eat it. But it was, I mean, it was, you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like dog food. Yeah. Honeyville is the food to <laughs> right. buy. Right. I love their products, and they have sales all the time. But they also have, like, flour, and, I mean, they have a lot. Their variety so is can, huge. So you can actually cook your own recipes if yeah. you wanted to. And I like to them, get, yeah. like, I like to get the number 10 cans. And there's a great, like, they have great recipes on their on their website as well. But their uh, tortilla soup, their chicken tortilla soup. And then you can just put it in a jar. She should so do. All, so it's all ready to go because it's just kind of that's that's amazing food but there's also one called nature valley they're out of utah as well and they have a, a great product line all of that conversation i think aims to practice what you preach and if you're whatever preparedness stores you have you should 
eat this because the worst thing would be to have a disaster and then to pull this food out and say oh i wish we had tasted this so i mean you should periodically cycle through and have a meal Mm -hmm. or a day's worth and say okay this is what it would be like to live on this so here's here's one of my classic stories of somebody who's unprepared and Bill has now become like one of our great friends. He lives in New Jersey, so I call him Jersey Bill. And he came to PrepperCon, which is a phenomenal preparedness show in Utah. They didn't Unfortunately, have Unfortunately, they're not yeah, doing they, it. Yeah, they I didn't did, so, They yeah. didn't have it this last year. I hope that they come back and do it next it's year. It's probably the best preparedness it is event. We've been doing a lot. The number one preparedness yeah. event in the nation. And so Bill came out from New Jersey and he happened to come to our booth. This was what, three years ago? Three years ago, Bill came to the booth and he looked at me and he said, what do I need? So Beth, you can tell how enthusiastic she is in this subject, but as a business owner and uh, with a company to have some guy come up and it turns out now that we've met Bill, he is um, a very wealthy man. Um, And he comes up to her and says, what should I buy? So Bill is, like David said, incredibly wealthy, so money's not an object. And he went through Hurricane Sandy and it oh, yeah, yeah. really it was like his it was his disaster. And he lost everything. He lost his house. He lost everything. So he actually uh, and he's you know, fortunately he's very wealthy and so he could rebuild his house, rebuild his life. His business is amazing. He really wanted to be prepared and heard about PrepperCon. He booked his ticket the day before he flew out. So you know how expensive that was. He flew directly from uh, New Jersey to, to Salt Lake, drove to PrepperCon, was gonna walk the booth and was flying home the next day. So this was like a one day shop it all, I can get it all, I can have it shipped, whatever. Um, And so Bill came and he said, what do I need? And I said, what exactly are you looking for? And then he kind of told me a little bit about his story and I said, I don't want you to buy anything here, nothing. I want you to go and talk to vendors and find out what their specialty is and that's gonna give you an idea of what you need to have for your particular needs. Everyone's different. It's not a one-size-fits-all kind of And you also kind of walk him around thing. a little bit because... Yeah, and yeah. I walked him around and, you know, there's Tech Protect is a, is a phenomenal company. Um, that's uh, Brian, um, Heidi Those and are the um, EMP proof. These are EMP mm-hmm. proof bags and you want to put your, like, your electronics and that kind of stuff. And um, we went and talked to Brian and Bill bought some products from Brian. Um, Texas Ready is a phenomenal company. Lucinda's a very good friend of ours, and uh, she sells seed banks, you know, so you need to be able to grow your own food, have some freeze-dried food, have some, you know, you need to have a variety so that you don't get bored, because who knows how long you're going to have to be preparing for. If you um, lose your job, you may be preparing for six months to a year, so you want to be able to grow your own food. Yeah, so some people would say, why do I need to add a seed bank or that capability to my preparedness and some might look at that as extreme but like we were talking about earlier there are so many things that could affect you that would have you activate your preparedness plan and it may not be an earthquake where you're disabled for a week or two weeks or might not be a weather event where you're you know uh, incapacitated for two or three days it might be 
you suffered a financial difficulty in your family, maybe a loss of a job um, or whatever, and now suddenly your world has changed and you now need to be prepared to mm -hmm. deal with that. And it might be longer than, you know, a longer period of time. And so having the ability, I think, to grow food as extreme as that may sound to some people is not that unrealistic. And you wouldn't want to be eating freeze-dried food for long, long periods of time. That's not what it's meant for. So I look at that as a bridge to, you know, being able to produce your own food if you needed to get into that situation. Yeah. And gardening's fun. Yeah. Gardening's a lot of fun. It's very rewarding. And then you get to do canning after that. And that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> but, um, you know, because I love canning too. Take some classes. And so I, when I walked Bill around to the various vendors, he was like, wow, no one has ever done this for me before. And I said, you can't just walk up to a booth and just say, what do I need? Because they're going to try and sell you something. And I don't And there were a lot of gadgets, you know. And, there's a lot and men, of stuff. men are gadget people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so a gadget's not going to save your life. No. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Bill has bought radios. He and his family are going to get their ham radio license. He's bought first aid kits from us. He and he'll buy four. You know, he needs outfitters. He buys four outfitters because he's got two kids, two away at college. So, you know, he think ahead for yourself and your family. But I think most importantly, he'll call and talk with you oh, and, and get, um, what do I need to think about in terms of being prepared for this type of thing? And like a great thing to ask people, you know, water, they've got like a five gallon thing of water and that's their water. Well, how much water does one person need per day? And how many people know that answer? Not many. And then you say, okay, and you've got four people, a family of four. Well, that five gallons of water is like one day's worth of water for one plus person. a mm -hmm. gallon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. for one person. So, and that's if you're not doing hygiene. No. Jersey Bill, all, you know, he also drives into Manhattan. So he lives in New Jersey, works in Manhattan. He has, I think, 50 employees. It's not just you that you need to worry about. You need to also worry about your employees. Are they prepared to have to be able to walk if they have to walk home, especially like Manhattan. I can't even imagine trying to walk right. home from. It's a nightmare anytime. I can't believe he works there. People need to just kind of take a step back, think about their preparedness. What do they personally need for that? And work on getting that Make done. Make a plan and Make work Make a on plan it. and work on it. That's the biggest thing. Just don't, you know, just don't think it's gonna happen on its own, because right. it's not. Even a plan like a communications plan. Uh, so I teach a little class on um, preparedness communications just to open people's eyes and perspective to the need for communications in a, in a, in a disaster or a preparedness situation. In talking with, with people, it's amazing how many people think, oh, I have a radio and I'll just turn the radio on and I'll be able to know what's going on and I'll be able to communicate with whoever I want here and um, in San Francisco and then in Chicago. And if you're a communications guy, you just realize, whoa, what you just talked about is a huge multi-layered space of communications. Mm -hmm. And there is no one device that's going to do that. And then um, if you want to talk to someone, there has to be someone listening somewhere else on the, on the same frequency, right. with the same capabilities, at the same time, so they can talk with you. So 
what's your communication plan? And when you talk to someone, the blank, a blank stare. Yeah, rarely, <laughs> you know, or they'll say, "Well, use a cell phone." So what's your what's your mother's phone number? Yeah. <laughs> How many people know the number? Because what do you know do it anymore. when you so when you yeah when yeah. you call someone do you actually type in the number? I just if I want to call Brian I just look on my contacts list and I put my index finger on Brian's face and then it dials. Yep. So a lot of people don't even on that basic level don't even know the phone number. That's right. Yeah. So our kids know that um, if there's something happens and like our daughter lives out of state. My son lives in state with us. But if something happens, there's two points of communication, local and outside the state. And those numbers are written down so that if whatever your ability to contact that person, if you don't have the ability to use a cell phone, might be the old fashioned landline that you know what the number is and you know who you're going to call, that you're going to call, you know, Uncle Jim and he's in another state to say, Hey, this is Kelsey. If you talk to mom and dad, let them know I'm safe and here's where I am. So there's a sit rep and the kids know that they want to let us know where they are, they're safe, what their plan is, where they're going to go next. If something were to happen and we're separated from each other, that you have some way of getting that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's like communication is probably the number one thing because if something happens and you're not with your loved ones or you know if something happened in california and i couldn't get a hold of my brother or my brother from another mother roddy if i couldn't get a hold of him or or them i would be kind of panicking and sometimes my brother steve does not call on a regular basis and it drives me nuts but that um, that angst is worse in a disaster because exactly. you want to know is that person safe mm -hmm. and if you're not talking with them right yeah so we have so one thing bike. that we've done is we've come up and this is one of my preparedness tips um, we've come up with a code a four-digit code um, that that you have a family meeting this isn't something you do over um, the telephone uh, this is a private meeting between you and your loved ones and your family members we have a four-digit code I'm not going to tell you what ours is but say it's one two three four if one two three four pops up on my phone from Kelsey or from David I know that immediately I need to call that person there's been some kind of something happened something happened there's an In emergency the family, yeah. family emergency something happened whatever it is I immediately drop whatever I'm doing and pick up my phone and call and that happened um, about five years ago. My brother passed away, and I put in our code, and Kelsey was gone to college, and Matt was uh, away. And they called immediately, and I told them, you know, what had happened. And so those kind of communications can be shared immediately with whoever it is. If there's an earthquake, if there's, you know, I've, I've got, you know, I broke down on the side of the freeway and I don't have AAA, you know, something like that. You need to have that communication with your family, have your family code and uh, share that with your family and come up with a plan as to when you're going to use that, you know, because there's sometimes when, like, I didn't really want to have to use it for that, but I knew that I had to. That's a really good... But it's also nice to know it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it did. It worked well. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's that's kind of a, a, a preparedness thing just for you, your family, um, and you want to keep that private. So, yeah, nice, and, secure. And how tip. much money did that cost? Nothing. Yep. So, I mean, that's something someone could do today mm -hmm. and add one little layer to their preparedness, and it didn't cost them anything. So we 
we'll talk to people at events and they'll say, oh, oh, that costs a lot of money. Well, yeah, there are some things that are going to be expensive, but that doesn't mean that that's where you have to start today. Even if you had a family meeting and came up with a simple communications plan and everybody had a copy, now that's something that you've checked that box off and, and we've got that and then practice it maybe every six months or at least once a year. But that didn't cost anything. It had You had a family meeting, which is nice to have a you know, gathering of your family, um, but you've done something and didn't cost anything. There's a, I mean, I could give you a list of easily a hundred things that don't cost any money or very little money, and and they actually significantly help your preparedness. So there's no excuse not to be prepared. Mm-hmm. One thing, one thing with preparedness too is it's not something you can do alone. You, it, in the event of a, of a disaster or something like that, and those of you that have been through a natural disaster know that you cannot do it by yourself. You have to be in community to do that. And with preparedness, it's kind of the same thing, whether you have a group of neighbors and you say, okay, we're going to have, um, you know, we're going to do some preparedness and we want to, you know, make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page. And not that you're going to be the only one that has the food and they're going to be the only one that has the water because you're all going to have your own stuff. But if something, someone runs short, you want to be able to share that. And one great thing that And you're going to for sure have people that have no preparedness. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think charity is, uh, and, is and take care of, of your fellow man is part of preparedness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's someone who, who's going to come across your radar that is not prepared. That, and we, we have stuff that we've put away just to give someone so that they, to help them in a time of need. And I think that's part of preparedness as well. Yeah. One thing that Lucinda has shared, and I think that this is like a really great thing, is if you have a garden and you have somebody who needs food, give them, start giving them one of your plants and show them how to garden. Show them the skills that you have and get that person excited about something because gardening's a lot of fun. That's to teach the man how to fish. That's (laughs) right. Teach the man how to fish and yeah. And, um, you know, or, or have a, uh, a canning day where you're teaching your, your neighbors how to can. And, you know, a lot of the colleges have extensions, especially like here in Oregon, the OSU extension has a canning class. And, you know, take a class if you're not sure how to do it and you want to yep. get more knowledge. The Mother Earth News Fair is coming to Albany, Oregon, um, first weekend in August. That is a phenomenal place Great to place. go. I mean, to get classes. Their book library is probably bar none the best one out and Brian there. you're going there but yeah. I mean yeah. you'll see the list of classes um, first of all you couldn't take all the classes there just is yeah. not enough time but the amount of free so again here's free another knowledge so you could say I'm gonna start my preparedness today go to the mother, mother Earth news, news fair mm-hmm. and take four classes mm-hmm. there are easily four classes to pick on that curriculum that they offer and these are people that are um, leading experts in their field of interest. And, and you'll walk away from there having gone to a great event, enjoyed yourself, and then walk away with knowledge. And knowledge is power, and that has added to your level of preparedness and didn't cost you anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, David and I have done the Mother Earth News as a vendors two times. We did the Albany show. We also did Belton, Texas. Just the vendors that are there huge amount of knowledge the classes are amazing yeah ask these people questions yeah ask mm-hmm. them questions there's going to be a lot of gardening um classes take take one or two if you can there's there's uh you know uh how to raise beef how to raise goats 
cheese making. I mean, I can go on and Canning, on. Canning, all sorts Canning, of stuff, all yeah. sorts of classes. But the the book library is really important. Beekeeping, yeah, all these all these things that we want to do. Right. I want bees really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, all these things, and and that's a really good um, thing that's happening in Oregon in just like a, a what next, next week, week next yeah. Saturday. So that's David and Beth Pruitt from amp-3.net. And I know what you're thinking, how can we stop it right there? Well, we have to stop it right there because <laughs> the conversation was going on so long that we had to extend it to another day. So we have another episode or two coming up for you with David and Beth Pruitt, where we get into the depths of their business. But I wanna point out some things. Here we've got two people who are extremely well-spoken and have a lot of character. They're just interesting to listen to, aren't they? If you have that type of personality or you have someone in your business that has that type of personality, you've got to put them out there. If you don't have them out there representing your business, you're doing yourself a great disservice. Also look at their focus on their origin story, these life-changing events from the flood that happened in Santa Cruz to the Loma Prieta earthquake that happened years later. These are things that completely molded where they went from that point on, taking them into the preparedness field, taking them into the first aid field. This origin story is remarkable. It's specific to them. It's something that no matter what, when you think of them, you'll think of those stories and you'll relate it back to their products and services that they provide on their website. Look at how they talk about Bill, the ideal client, and how money is not an object for him. Are you gonna be ready when Bill shows up in your business, when you have someone that comes by and says, tell me what I need to buy. I trust you, just tell me what I need to get. I'm ready, I've got the money, that's not the problem. What I need you to do is tell me what's best for me. That's powerful and that's something that you have to be ready for. If you have not met that person, you will if you're in business long enough. Look at how their passion is so strong and they have such a knack for the information. They're just a complete wealth of knowledge. We're gonna be talking more about how they can use that later on and be able to build that into their business and into the future. They've done some, but using that information to make their brand stronger and also create products is gonna be a real key thing that we talk about in the future with David and Beth Pruitt. So stay tuned for the next episode. Join us again on the next Off The Grid Biz Podcast, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com, helping successful but overworked entrepreneurs transform their companies into dream assets. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Off The Grid Biz podcast, go to offthegridbiz.com slash contact. Those who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse my beliefs, suggestions, or advice, or any of the services provided by our sponsor. Our theme music is Cold Sun by Dell. Our executive producer and head researcher is Sean E. Douglas. I'm Brian Pombo, and until next time, I wish you peace, freedom, and success.